This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Logan, it is Tuesday as we record. A couple of hours ago, Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew sat at a table and answered a bunch of questions from reporters. And uh, we will talk about what they had to say. Uh, and then we will get into the tape. Uh, we will get into how Sam Howell actually performed on Sunday. Uh, now that we've taken a look, uh, to see how, look how Chris Paul looked and, and anybody else that you had your particular eye on uh here we are two days two days after the season how you feeling by the way feeling good man my workload comes way down after the season so getting to catch my breath a little bit and you know everyone's in a everyone was in a pretty good mood at the park today you know coaches and stuff so that's always nice because everyone's a little more chatty a little bit more cordial so um yeah and then i get to spend some time with the fam so all good stuff for me how about you everything good uh yeah i'm good uh also excited for uh for a little bit lighter workload, uh, no more pregame. And as much as I love seeing you for Sundays to go work only five days a week is a nice, nice deal. Um, yeah. I thought for a second, you'd be like, now I get to spend some time with you. And I was like, oh, that's hard. Oh, your, fam- your family. family no, that's took, also took over for you. Yeah. Also, also good. Uh, we endorsed family time here on Take Command. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk a little bit about some of what was said today um, at the podium by Rivera specifically. And just kind of this general thought that we are now at the time of the year where we look back and we go, we have all the data, right? We're no longer in awaiting more information mode. And Ron was pretty coy about everything today in part because like they don't meet with one of the first things that they said in this press conference is like, we're not meeting with ownership till Monday. Well, Mm. if they haven't met with ownership, like they can't do anything. They can't really fire coaches or um, talk about, anything because they don't know what the financial state and the budgetary elements of the club are. And as boring as that is, like that's a realistic part of how these decisions get made and, and what happens over the next couple of weeks. And when they talk about players and all this kind of stuff, but we are at a point where all the games have been played and Ron was asked about quarterback, obviously multiple times and, um, one of the things was like, are you going to go about and reevaluate the process, which landed you on a guy in Carson Wentz who obviously did not work out. And I am pretty frustrated by the defense of that process. And I think there's two elements to this and I apologize for the long setup, but there's two elements to this. 
One is the negotiations themselves, which seem to, based off the ESPN story in October, have been influenced by ownership. That ownership pushed getting a deal done sooner rather than later, which meant less negotiations. And the Colts ultimately acquiring a lot for Carson Wentz when they were otherwise going to cut him. That is bad business. That is bad negotiation. I have no problem saying that. There might have been circumstances that led to them doing that. And ultimately, if they think they like if they get it right, then nobody cares. And and so well, I have no problem saying that's bad business. And by the way, I am none too surprised that Dan Snyder did bad business based off of his business dealings, his business track record over the years in a multitude of other businesses. Fine. But there's also the part that I want to talk about with you, which is the football part. And I understand how they got there and thought that maybe at the time, Carson, based off what he was last year, the nine straight wins, even if it ended poorly, that he could have been an upgrade over what they had. But when it doesn't work out that way, I would appreciate more reflection on how they made that mistake so that they don't do that same thing again. And it doesn't seem like they even want to acknowledge that they made a mistake. <clears throat> so I think this is like one of the problems with with our profession just in general. And, and it's, it's a problem with a lot of stuff, right? Is you you are like, we have the benefit of all of this new information. We have the benefit of how many months of data? Like, I mean, when did they pick them? Oh, I'd say seven months, six months, whatever right. it is, right? They, they traded for them in, in early March. And I think at the time I was not overly stoked about Carson Wentz. I know the stuff I did for the team kind of pointed out some things that I thought he did well, but I also had some pretty major reservations about what he did. However, I think if you look back at the timing of that decision and operated under this assumption like we're gonna like proof like a logical proof the team needed a quarterback they needed to upgrade at the quarterback position right now right. i was at the time very adamant that like maybe Jamison winston andy dalton jacoby Brissett, like that type of guy would be the move and then you draft a young guy that you felt good about right like even if right. it's a like second or third round which is kind of what they did like in a roundabout they just way got they, him later yeah sam howell right so that was kind of my my thought process this offseason they didn't do what I thought. They went out and they, they paid a good amount of money. And, and even that $28 million, I know that seems like a lot of money. Um, you know, right now, the current market value for a quarterback is like $40 million. So even though it seems like a lot of money based on market value, it's probably a little bit less than what you would pay for like a Derek Carr, for example. Right. Right. So they needed a quarterback. I think they really, really wanted to get Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you've, you've told me that. It sounds like all the reports indicate that's what it is. Right, Greg? Yeah, no, there there was some reporting that Garoppolo was the guy that they wanted. This came out, I don't know if it was right before week one. Schefter had it, and Ron, like, every, and that's the other thing, too, by the way, that, like, influences the way I feel about this, if I'm being honest, is, like, every time Ron was challenged on Carson this year, like, Ron lost his stuff. Like, he was so emotional about it, it just didn't seem rational or responsible. But that's, that's I guess, kind of a different thing. But, yes, Garoppolo was the guy they wanted. It well, I think, like I think it was off, Russell, Russell Wilson. Well, Garoppolo. yeah, they wanted they they basically went down the list, and and part of I guess the on the business side is like it seems like they went down the list and never really adjusted. Like, ah, we're we'll trade this much for a quarterback, right? right yeah. Well, it's yeah. Russell Wilson. All right, cool. Nope, nope. It's uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Up, oh, nope. It's Carson Wentz. All right, trade the quarterback stuff, and it's like we're not getting the same guy in return. But it seems like Jimmy maybe even gotten the surgery. Like this, this is yet to be reported. But if you like do the math. It seems like Jimmy was potentially being traded here, and he was like, "I think I'm going to get surgery." Right. That's. And, I mean, uh, that's what it felt like based yeah, on the and, report. Right. I, based off the timing and everything, and and he he weaseled his way out, and uh, he's not here. Good for him. Um, 
So I, but I think like, so we both acknowledge that you needed a quarterback, right? And so when sure. you kind of go through that, like, again, I was that Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton type guy, right? A kind of another bridge guy. I think there was probably a little bit of like fan calculus on like the fans would kill us if we don't kind of make a bigger move in the off season. So really the next like big name, the next kind of most talented guy on that list is Carson Wentz. And again, at the time, I think we both were like kind of hemming and hawing about how effective he was going to actually be. But, you know, when you did the research, you guys said, oh, you know, big arm, push the football down the field. That's what Scott wants to do, blah, 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 blah. So maybe it is going to be the right fit. In terms of what they gave up, I think at the time we both felt that was too much, right, to give up two-thirds. Yeah. But I also think there was this – there's this – remembering back, there was this kind of desperation almost that they needed to get somebody. And every single person that they propositioned basically was like, no. So this was an opportunity for them to ensure – getting someone and because right. of where Washington is and because of kind of the circus media circus that the organization has been over the last 10 years, you are going to need to pay a premium. So that's kind of what I chalked that up to, you know, what another organization I'm not disagreeing to, with right. any of this. So I'm not disagreeing with how they have felt at the time, the approach, whatever. What I'm saying is we now have the benefit of hindsight. It would be nice if they used it. So what I'm, what I'm saying though, is I think it's it's good by them to say leading up to that leading up to the decision there's nothing that we would have done differently and I don't and I would probably agree with that but now I'm sure with the benefit of hindsight I'm, I'm they're not dumb people obviously they wouldn't have sure. done it. but it, but in terms of the process <clears throat> I think the process is not necessarily what I would have done again I said I would have gone for someone a little bit cheaper to start right someone kind of to fill out like high-end backup, low-end starter type guy, another another Ryan Fitzpatrick, basically, right? But they went big. I think they had. To, I think they felt they had to do it because of the fan situation, right? And they felt like they kind of had to strike while the iron was hot because I think they felt the roster was a little bit ahead of where it was. Holes in specific areas. We can talk about that later. But in terms of that process, I can see the logical train as to how they got there. Now, obviously, are we disappointed with the result? Like, I think that's intuitively obvious, yes. But I do think ultimately that that process at the time is i don't want to say flawless because it's definitely not flawless but it well, and there are reasons as to why you get there that's kind of what i'm getting to though is like we don't have to give them credit anymore for the thing at the time we know now it didn't work and i'm not even like, let me rephrase i'm not trying to take away their credit for how they did it at the time i'm trying to fix the process so that they don't do the same thing again Okay, because that, to, to say to say that they would go through the same process again right now and do the Wentz thing again, that's ridiculous because he clearly didn't work. So what I would appreciate from them is some acknowledgement that we missed something in the evaluation. There are reasons why Carson didn't work here beyond we got unlucky because that seems to be the line right now. It's like, uh, just we didn't get lucky, you know, the injury... Uh, it didn't work out, you know, Terry's contract. They weren't on the same page. It's like Sam didn't throw a ball to Terry all year. And then he threw a couple of beauties, uh, including his first NFL pass, which is a timing route that he throws in stride. And Terry walks into the end zone from 20 yards out. So like, I don't, uh, that's not to say that like, I'm just taking too much out of one. I'm not trying to take too much out of one small sample size with Sam or any of these other things, but I'm just saying you had six games where Carson started at the beginning of the year and it was bad. And he came in in the biggest game of the year and laid a total egg. And we can talk about, and we have, we've spent hours talking about some of the reasons why, where some of your circumstances are your offensive coordinator and he 
do not see the game the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, And your offensive coordinator did not create a properly insulated atmosphere for your quarterback that you acquired to succeed. But like, I'd like some reflection on that Mm -hmm. because if they just go into this off season thinking we got unlucky, they'll do the same thing again. And the results will be the same. What they miss is they put too much of a premium on arm strength. What they miss is that they should have done more on decision-making. What they should have done is a little bit more, maybe paying attention to some of the talk about the mental toughness stuff and not say that Carson's like weak or a bad guy, but when things got hairy, he had trouble pulling himself out of it. And that is something that was a known commodity, not just by, you know, people inside the game, like by anyone who knew anything about Carson Wentz. And so, they need to reconfigure their formula for what they're looking for at quarterback, or they're going to do the same thing again with a guy with a different name. And that's that's what I'm talking about is I'm not trying to take away their credit for making a move at the time or whatever. I'm trying to say, how come there is not acknowledgement that while it might have seemed solid then, it was actually the wrong move, and we need to reevaluate and figure out where the holes were in our formula so that we can do better this time around. Yeah, so I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, you're kind of getting to the crux of talent evaluation and quarterback specifically, right? And so, like, I think this is a very relevant conversation because we're going to be doing draft stuff here, right? Yes. And so what you run into, and this is something that was really interesting to me, like going to the combine last year and, and doing my own draft evaluation, calling my old buddies and talking through stuff, is that certain things, there, there's no surefire thing. There's no surefire thing, right? There's no surefire thing. There's not even like a 80% thing. Like you just don't know till you know, right? You can kind of mitigate some of that risk, whatever, whatever, whatever. I do think to your point about the talent evaluation, look at what they evaluated in Sam Howell and look at that decision. And I say that's probably more in line with the type of quarterback that they actually want. Does that make sense what I'm saying? They right. like He's the got release. A bit more they ability. like the arm. Yeah. They, all those things are, I think, is what they want. I think the problem, this is one of the one problem with free agency, and it's a problem with the draft too, is that you are limited in terms of what's available, right? You're limited in terms of the type of player that's available. Like, and if you think about it, let's say Jimmy was ahead of them, ahead of Carson, based on that report. No one in the building has told me anything different, but based on the report, I forget who wrote it that came out. Yeah, Jimmy has an excellent release. He's an excellent decision maker. Like, those are two of his best qualities. So it makes sense that you would prioritize him over Carson. The problem is that as you keep moving down, your the the margin for error becomes greater, right? There's still good qualities in that player, but the risk becomes more, right? So I think that in this in this last free agent cycle, I think that's what I would say is that as some of those big pieces came off the board and you're left with Carson, right? Then that's that's the third guy on your board because I I can't even remember who else was available after him, but it was kind of like. Oh, it's it your Dalton's year, Jameis yeah. is, and Jameis went back to New Orleans quickly. Ultimately, Dalton winds up in New Orleans too. Like all that stuff, Marcus Mariota. But I guess, I guess Logan. So, so I let me would, just finish yeah. that thought. So I will say that I think that they that their type is probably going to look a lot more like Sam Howell as opposed to Carson Wentz. But because of the free agent landscape, they kind of had to make a decision. And that, and again, that decision I think is also impacted by the climate of the fan base. And the market at the time as well, I think, too. This fan base will get behind a correct decision because the correct decision will help you win. And I think when owners and fans or owners and coaches get too much into what the fans want, that's a 
a bit silly. And by the way, if they thought the fans would be excited about Carson Wentz, they horrendously missed on that. But I, uh, but I do think, like in talking with fans and talking with people that I work with who are really diehard, smart football fans, talking with you, there was this kind of call amongst, I, I'd say not a uh, not an insignificant part of the fan base that said we cannot do the the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing again. Even though that sure. probably was the right decision, but like that. But then they kind of did. Like, but they Carson, didn't. Though they didn't. Like, Carson's think about thirty. Think about the person you're talking about here. I, I agree, it's not perfect, but in terms of high upside potential starting value, like I think that's a big. Like Carson's obviously different than anybody else on the market from a physical tool standpoint, right? He's obviously better. right. But I guess I guess this was so this is what I was going to say a minute ago. If your big board is Madden ratings, you're not actually doing evaluation, right? Like you can't, to me, you've actually encapsulated the problem here, which is if they looked at it and were like, we want a guy with a quick, quick release and good decision-making. Oh, the guy we want is not available. Let's go to Carson Wentz, as opposed to going to the next guy with the next quickest release and the be next best decision-making. You're not doing it right. Like, you're not just looking for a quarterback with random physical traits. You're trying to execute your game plan. And Ron seems to have a very clear game plan. By the way, so does Scott. Those are not the same thing. That, yeah. that is layered over all of this. Yeah. But if you're telling me we need a quarterback that does these two things above all else, and then you go get a guy whose pedigree might be better than other options, but does not do those two things particularly well, you failed the evaluation. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think this is a huge element, right? At some point, the drop-off in the trait that you're looking for is going to be significant, is going to lead to a significantly, like let's say, for example, uh, this is not a great example, but Nick Mullins, for example. Do you know who mm -hmm. that is? Anybody know this? Yeah. He was the backup in San Francisco when I was there. He's got a lightning quick release. He's an excellent decision maker. But he is a couple steps down the ladder in terms of quarterback play because he lacks elite arm strength, right? So at some point, the trait you're looking for becomes so diminished in that group of people that you have to say, well, even though this guy's decision-making isn't as good, even though the, the release isn't as good with Carson, let's just use him as a, as a comparison, he adds more to the table because he's got these physical tools, right? So that's where right. the evaluation gets weird. And it's not, I'm not saying... They might have done the matter rating thing. I have no idea what their process looked like. No, I'm what just, you're saying makes a lot more sense yeah, and is right. probably a lot more correct than like raw raw score athleticism, if you will. Right. Yeah. I, but I guess then, see, this is why I want to have this conversation because now I think we reached the point that we're like we come together in the middle on something that makes the yeah. most sense in terms of fair criticism, credit where it's due, et cetera. Right. What I would have appreciated today then is kind of an acknowledgement that we thought the traits Carson had Right. We're going to make up for some of the things that, you know, maybe other guys that we had looked at uh, had that were better, quicker release, whatever. And and I don't know that they're, they're not going to they're also not going to kill Carson on the way out. And I respect right. that, too. And like Ron is too decent of a human being and too loyal of a human being to to go into too much depth here. Right. But some sort of acknowledgement that was they did that evaluation and they thought Carson's arm strength and whatever other attributes they thought were positive could make up the difference between he and Heineke, who ultimately mm -hmm. is the next guy there. Yeah. That that was an incorrect assessment. That, yeah. hey, we realized, you know, now with the benefit of hindsight, that in our offense, the way we executed, the way we ran it, 
the mobility and the decision-making and the quicker release and the quicker processing time, we undervalued those things in a way that causes to make a decision that didn't work out. It's something we'll take into the next evaluation moving forward. Right. Acknowledging I, yeah. that would have been, I don't think there's a problem with that. I right. think you can do a version of that today and not sound, I mean, I don't know how to say it, like not sound aloof. Like, oh, yeah, actually, we just got unlucky. Like, no, you didn't. You made a mistake. It's okay. People make mistakes. This business is really hard. And that's something yeah. I will always acknowledge. And I'm, and I'm glad that you've come back to that multiple times because evaluating quarterback is really difficult for a number of reasons. Yeah, it's tough. Including the fact there's not enough of them. There's yeah. 32 NFL teams, and there's not 32 high-caliber starters. Correct. There's not even 32 starting calibers. Yeah. Um, There's kind of like 15 to 17, and then like, the Taylor Heineke low-end starter, high-end backup for like the next 15 to 20 guys. And you're talking about your David Blouse, your, you know, yeah. your Nick Mullins, your Taylor Heineke's, and also your Carson Wentz's. Right. And so I think that it like that acknowledgement that, hey, we need to maybe we need to double check and make sure that we're rating the right traits in our process. And we got a little astray on that last year. And it yeah. cost us. Like you can say that today. And that feels better and it feels like you know what you're doing versus uh we got unlucky it's yeah i I agree, I agree you know it's interesting um in talking with ron over the course of the season he is very aware of what he he's more aware of what he can't say as opposed to what he can say right so like to That's me a, yeah the thing that they missed with carson this is me and me alone saying this nothing no, no one from the organization has told me this is i think they overestimate his ability to learn this offense Right. Mm. Because if you talked with guys over the course of the season, they're like, well, he's not quite there yet. He's not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. Right. So to me, that's something that it would be very hurtful if Ron were to say something like that in the presser. Right. So it's not like, how can I say something like, like you said, you put it very eloquently there. Like, you know, it didn't go the way you want it. I think I he's speak really, for a living. He doesn't. So yeah, I you, also acknowledge that sometimes these kinds of things come pretty easy to me. And, Right. And you, you put it really nicely. But for him, I think he's thinking like, oh, I can't say this. And that's the thing I want to say. So I'm just going to say something very vanilla and soft. Um, again, that's an assumption. I don't know. I don't I haven't talked to Ron about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, But that's what I would say is that like sometimes I know I do that. I say, oh, I can't. This is what I want to say, but I can't say this. So I'm just going to say something really soft. I think there might be something there. I agree with you. I think an acknowledgement to say, hey, you know, like we trusted our process at the time. Obviously, we overestimated these things. But I, I think you bring up a good point that they don't want to light Carson on fire as he's leaving this thing. Yeah, and you know he I mean? doesn't deserve that. Yeah. Um, but I also think that you can... I guess I guess why it really... Like, getting to the bottom of why it irks me so much yeah. is even if you're completely nondescript, can you just acknowledge you made a mistake? Right. And it feels like there's a lot of times where Rivera has gone to the podium and kind of skirted responsibility and this is so and there's times he's taken it so i'm not right. i'm not saying that it's 100 percent one way or the other but like ron rivera is the team president like he's yeah. the president of football operations you're the guy and so when you're like oh well maybe that like at the end of the day you just got to own it and, yeah. and taking responsibility is going to help like making yourself take that responsibility is going to lead to better process moving forward and yeah. it also is the thing that you should do to, to instill confidence in not only the fan base, but everyone else in the organization who's watching. Yeah. And I will say I've had conversations with people around the building uh, when I'm there, you know, and the stuff that's going on there is like so deep. And like, even though we talk a lot about the team, we have all these 
like perceived insights. You know, we watch the film or whatever. Like they mm. are dealing with stuff that like is not even on anybody's radar. You know that like I can never mention on this show. Like it's just like it's just a, a bigger picture. So for them, like that is something that, that they're contractually ob obligated to do. And as long as it doesn't go terribly, like they're okay with it. I, I think you know that's just my kind of thought about. It. That's how it was for me when I was playing. Every coach, you know, keep things in house, and I, and I think there's an element of that to the pressure. I, I do agree. Uh, as a fan of the team, it would have been nice to kind of acknowledge that, hey, this didn't go exactly the way we wanted it to. And I think you articulated that very nicely. But I, I don't think I don't think it's fair to say that the the process or the circumstance that got them to the decision in the first place was flawed. Like I think what you're you what you want to say is that like we've learned from this from this we've we've added to our process or we've learned or whatever the thing is. I don't know. Like, I. The night they traded him, I went on the radio and said this was a terrible mistake. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think so. I think I said also, like I was not, like I said earlier, like I didn't love it. But I think it's not about what I love. It's about putting yourself in the perspective of the team and putting yourself in a position where you say, is that a totally insane thing or is there some merit to it? And I no, think, you know, no, right? And, and I'm not saying you did this, but that's what we're. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to shift my perspective to that of them at the time they made the decision. And when I do that, I'm like, well, if you factor all these things in, then I understand how they got here. And I think also, I think that this can't be overstated. It's just when t people do not want to come play for this team, you have to do things that are a little bit extreme. And I think that also factors in here in a way that no one will ever acknowledge coming out of that building. It'll never come out, even though that's kind of uh, an undercurrent of every conversation in free agency since even I was here. Yeah, no, that is true. And hopefully that is something, an era, so to speak, that is coming to an end because there's going to be an ownership change come the NFL meetings in March. Unfortunately, that is after the majority of the free agent signings this year. But right. maybe, I don't know, it's something that um, I, I definitely want to try to have some of the former agents like your J.I. Hallsells and your Joel Corey's um, who are now in media on the show and, and talk about that with them. Like, if you're a free agent going to Washington, are you operating under the assumption that Dan won't be there and that things are going to change and get better? Uh, and is that a good thing? Or are you just waiting? Are you not, is like the ownership uncertainty actually a negative because you just don't know what it's going to be. So there's, there's a lot to that conversation. We have the whole off season to discuss as that story comes out.